Welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast, where we explore stories from around the world. We hear from educators, parents, students, entrepreneurs and scientists about innovations that help make learning easier and more successful. I'm your host, Peter Barnes. How do young people, school leavers and those who have completed post-secondary school education figure out what they want to do as a career? Then how do they succeed in the interviews for the job they want? Internationally recognised facial profiling authority, Alan Stevens, has written a book that can help. It's called The Face, How to Get Your Ideal Career to Match Your Personality. It's written for secondary school students, their parents and teachers and introduces the advantages of being able to read human facial traits and how they relate to career selection. Today, Alan joins me again on the Learning Capacity Podcast, where we will talk about his book and how facial profiling can help guide people into good career choices. Welcome back, Alan. Thank you very much, Peter. It's great to be here. Terrific. Last time we chatted on the podcast, you explained facial trait profiling. And you gave us some background on how you came to uh, become an authority in this area. So for our listeners who may have missed that episode, can you briefly summarise those uh, points? And then we can move on to talk about how to use facial trait profiling in career selection. Okay, well, the uh, skills of reading somebody involve the facial features <clears throat> Excuse me, that tell us someone's personality. Then we have the uh, micro-expressions, the little twitches on the face that tell us how somebody uh, thinks and processes. And we have body language that tell us uh, more information again. And it depends on how we've read them. Then we know what words to use to actually make that connection with them. And that's what the process is all about. Okay, so you've been doing this for quite some time, I believe. That's right. Well, I started uh, with uh, NLP and uh, body language back in the uh, originally the 80s and then more in the 90s. I did psych psychometric profiling where you read uh, or you ask people questions to understand their personalities. And then I um, took up uh, looking at the uh, facial uh, features and facial expressions when somebody mentioned to me one day, have you ever looked at reading uh, faces? And I thought, well, I needed a better way than what I had before to read people. And I went and uh, did some uh, research on it and found it to be the, um, the most effective uh, method I could use. Right. So I understand that people all over the world are using uh, what you've developed and it's, it's um, being used in, in places as diverse as uh, law enforcement agencies and um, uh, cartoon makers, i.e. Disney. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Well. It's virtually what it comes down to. It, relationships are the uh, foundation of everything we do, the very uh, footings of everything. So if we don't have a strong relationship with somebody, then we just can't make a connection with them because people only deal with us whether they buy a product, a service, or just have a relationship with us. They've got to like, know, and trust us. If they don't trust us, then there's not much chance of them respecting us and there's not much chance then of uh, having a connection with them. So it fits every area of life. And uh, where I've uh, been working with is, as you said, law enforcement, how to actually read the clients, as they call them, but also how to build stronger rapport and understanding amongst their teams. And same skills that are used for parents to understand their children or for couples to understand each other as well, to build stronger relationships. 
And so the, it's all aspects of life. And those skills are appropriate, in fact, essential in uh, the workplace. Exactly, because one of the biggest problems we have at the moment, about 87% of people, we're told by all the research, who are disengaged in their work. In other words, they don't want to be there on Monday. If they're not happy in their work, they're obviously not going to be happy at home as well because they're taking their emotions with them between work and back home again. They're not productive in the workplace, so their performance drops, and therefore the management's making less money. And it's one of the areas that I'm quite surprised that uh, more uh, organisations don't get uh, their people trained on because it's the uh, difference between making a successful business or losing uh, money out the door. So there's multiple factors in, in employee dissatisfaction. One, of course, is you're in the wrong job to start with. So that's about exactly. career selection. Another one is uh, how you relate and work with your colleagues. And, and both of those areas, I, I believe, are, are, are targets of, of your your book. That's right. So it's uh, for, for school uh, leavers to have an idea before, actually before they left school to know what subjects they should be doing that match the careers that they would uh, that would benefit their personalities. So the more that somebody's doing something that they like, the happier they're going to be and the more productive they're going to be and therefore likely to uh, select a career that suits them best. One of the biggest problems is we make our selections when we're at school on what other people tell us we should do. And quite often the careers counsellor is telling us, well, you're good at maths, but uh, one of the things they forgot about was that uh, you are bad at maths and they kept you back all the time to get your results up. And because all of a sudden your results are good now, you should become an, an accountant. <laughs> well, it's probably not what you want to do. <laughs> so the more you can understand your own personality, the more you can actually then select uh, the career that's going to suit you and therefore pick the final subjects before you leave school. Really fantastic if, if young people can get insights at that stage. I recall just a personal story. My father wanted me to be a pharmacist. Uh, and then when I rejected that idea, he, he wanted me to become an accountant, which I did for, for a few years and uh, it took me a decade or two to realise that that wasn't something that suited my personality. I could have saved quite a lot of time if uh, I'd have some systematic approach to understanding what would be a suitable career. And that's it. That's one of the biggest problems that uh, so many uh, kids have. Most students, they're leaving uh, school, around about 80%, they uh, estimate, have no idea what they really want to do. They've uh, taken their advice from other people, and the end result with that is they then go into a career, especially if they go on to uh, TAFE or university, they end up uh, doing study, getting a degree that either they don't get through or if they do, end up going into the workplace and uh, either never using it. As I say, about 40% of people who do a degree don't even uh, use that degree. And then if they go into the work that the degree was for, the end result is that uh, that uh, uh, don't stay there for very long because it's not the job that's going to match their personalities. They're not happy. There, there are a number of ways that students and young people can get a fix on what might be a suitable career, and some schools have career counsellors. Uh, there are private career counsellors that parents with the means can send their, their children to, and, and those um, professionals use a range of tools like strengths, a strengths approach, um, Myers-Briggs, DISC, and so forth. How does rapid trade profiling fit with those approaches? Okay, well, as I say to everybody, that 
all the different uh, systems have their place. When it comes to somebody applying for a job, they're usually doing it online. There's usually a lot of people who have applied for the same position. And you might have 100 people apply for a, one, one or two single positions. And in that, the end result is you haven't got time to look at everyone's faces. You have to put them through a process that culls the numbers. And that's where these other systems really benefit. Whereas with that facial reading, once you've selected that person, you can confirm that you've had the right person when you have them in the interview because you're able to read them more effectively. The um, difference with uh, reading someone's face, I don't have to ask questions. I, therefore, I'm not affected by gender. I'm not affected by age. I'm not affected by the level of uh, education. And I'm not affected by the person's emotional state. And because the method in which I use to read people is based on the structure of the face, my emotions when I read them don't get in the way either. Because if you're using a system that looks at somebody's behaviour and you're trying to work them out from there, the end result is if you're having a good day or a bad day, you're going to read that same person differently. I can understand, so, I can understand that, that, that would work. That would be very useful for someone recruiting people. How about the student themselves trying to figure out what, what they, they want to do? Uh, if they've had Myers-Briggs or Strengths Approach or some sort of counselling like that, does does rapid trade profiling how does rapid trade profiling give them something extra it gives them a chance to break down that um, profile that's been given because when you're putting somebody through those systems like myers briggs this you've got about 16 different types which mean we have what 7 billion people on the planet and those 7 billion people are divided up into 16 types i don't think so when you look at it that's just a broad way of uh, putting people into boxes but then being able to look at the facial features, you're able to take that person out of the box. So the more a person understands their own traits, the more they're able to then piece together their own personality, which is unique from everybody else on the planet, and therefore be able to fine-tune their job selection down to something that uniquely fits them. And your book, uh, The Face, How to Get Your Ideal Career to Match Your Personality, describes uh, a number of these facial traits that students or, or young people can use to help figure out their careers and then in a, help be successful in interviews and then help be successful in the workplace. Yeah, well, when you're using the book, what you're doing, you're looking at a number of traits. So I put it together with, because I'm looking at a bit, a bit of over 60 traits in the face, but of those, there are, there's a number that uh, you'll see in a newborn child, and by the time they're five, there'll be some more coming in. So virtually what you'll have is about 24 traits you can see in a five-year-old. There's about 40 traits you can see in a 10-year-old, and there's about 60 traits you can see in a somebody about the school age, uh, leaving age. So with this, I took the uh, a third of the traits from each of those categories and put them into the book. So that when you read it, you can uh, look at the trait and understand that trait yourself. You can get a measurement on yourself. It then tells you how people, those people with those traits like to think and be uh, and process information, how they like to be spoken to. But it also gives an idea of some of the hobbies, sports and careers that would suit those people. Now, once you've gone through it and you've looked at all your, your own traits and you realise what's there and you go, okay, here's a number of traits that have all said teacher then there's a, a possible uh, career for that person. But there's also traits that says physical outdoor activities. Now that you could be specifying a teacher who is more into the physical education. So you can build more and more of the understanding 
the more that you're able to pick up uh, more traits and you build a much uh, more defined uh, level. How, how is it possible for a face to, to give all that sort of information? Yeah, yeah, most people think of this and go, is this, is this clairvoyance or whatever? It's, no, it's not. It's pure science. We know that everything that we feel inside, we display on the outside. That's how the micro-expressions work. This is how we can determine whether somebody's angry. What was their immediate response when we speak to them? But we also know that any muscle that we use over and over, over like say you're doing uh, bicep curls, you will build your biceps up. And the more you do that, you'll see that the growth is there, but you may not work your triceps. So you'll see an imbalance in the muscles. So we know that anybody who's worked out regularly, you can see that they're fit. So put those two together. When you're concentrating on something, the end result is that you will focus in, you will, you know, pull the eyes together, you'll focus down, the brow will come down. And what you're doing is moving the muscles. And if you keep moving those muscles over and over again, in relationship to the way you like to think and process, you're going to build ridges and crevices that are going to give away the history of how you like to think and process, which is your personality. So that's you, how it, what you're saying then is the face is, it records the, the, the history, let's say, or the build-up of your emotions and how you react to certain situations. And if you know what to look for, you can uh, interpret those expressions and, and the shape of the face. Are we talking about the shape of the face as well as expressions here? The shape of the face as well, because we know that in all the research that was done, we have nature and uh, nurture uh, traits. The nature of being the DNA, which passed down from the parents, and the nurture, which is in response to the our, our environments. All the testing they did, and they did it, uh, one major study was the uh, Texas um, adoption trials. It was run over 30 years, where they would profile children who were, have been taken away from their natural parents and put, have been adopted by others. They knew the, um, their biological parents. They looked at the profile of the child and they looked at the profile of the adopted parents and also their natural parents. And they found that there were so many traits of the biological parents which were in the children that weren't in the, uh, the adopted parents. Mm-hmm. So we knew that part of the personality was DNA-based. Mm-hmm. And then we knew that how you respond to your environment, if you frown a lot because you expect you know, problems all the time, you're going through a, a, an unhappy time, the corner of your mouth is going to turn down because those muscles down below get stronger and the ones above get weaker, so they stretch down. They get pulled down by the lower uh, muscles in the face. And so now we can pretty well assume that this person is more likely to be pessimistic than optimistic. So this is how the nurture and the nature works together. And so what the percentage breakup is, well, that depends on person to person. It depends on all the experience that we have. But it's like we know that uh, twins that are, um, uh, are identical, if they go to different parents, there'll be certain personality traits which are still the same, but there'll be slight changes, which are the nurture uh, traits from the different households they go to and therefore the different experiences they have. Can, in, that, in that case, can you tell the guy looking, say they're identical uh, and mm-hmm. they're brought up in different environments, so they've got the same um, nature but different environmental influences, can you see differences in the face for, for those two who are identical? You'll find that, the, say, the DNA ones will be pretty much the same, like the width of the face, the spacing of the eyes and things like that. But the uh, muscle structure on the face, the width of the, the lower part of the face, which is all muscular, 
not skeletal, all of that will be different between the two children because they've actually had different experiences. One lived in a household where there was a lot of unhappiness. Another one lived in a household where there's a lot of joy. Then just that first trait that I explained, the turning of the corner of the mouth, that will be different between the two of them because mm-hmm. one has been frowning a lot more and the other one has been smiling more. This, this must must be this, the facial expressions must be why uh, when you meet a new person and I think this is a fairly universal um, reaction but you you can tell whether you like that person or not uh, there's something that unconsciously you go ah oh, I've just met Alan um, yeah I, I'd like him I want to talk to him or I, oh, I've just met him and I don't think he's a, a person that I, I really want to hang out with is that is that Yes, this is actually wired into the DNA. This goes back to our original survival. We needed facial features and facial expressions. First of all, facial features to recognise somebody and then the facial expressions to understand their uh, emotions at the time, their moods. So if we saw a face that we recognised that was a family member or a tribe member, fine. Then we'd be looking for the expression to see if they were happy or sad. What was their emotional state? How should I approach them? If it was a face that we didn't recognise, we'd be more wary. We'd be checking them out to make sure to see if they were a danger. And that's when the micro expressions, the facial features, sorry, the expressions become even more important. So you can't get one working without the other. These two systems work brilliantly together. They support each other. They confirm each other. And then I guess if you overlaid sort of gross motor um uh, like someone who's got their arms raised or someone who's just sitting with their arms crossed, those those body language things mean something as well, don't they? That's right. You add all that to it. It's a combination of all those things. As I say, the, pers- the facial features will tell me the person's personality. That will tell me how they like to think and process. It doesn't tell me what they're thinking and processing, though. Hmm. So two people can look very similar. And as I say, one could be a saint, one could be a sinner. But then I'm looking at the body language and the expressions. And it's not just one thing on its own, like, as you indicated, folded arms. Folded arms, yes, that could be a barrier to keep me out. It could be a barrier that they're intimidated. They like me, but they're still intimidated. got me on a pedestal. Or it could be that they're cold. There could be a whole range of reasons. So you need to look at all those things in context. Are they congruent with what's being said at the time? And look, making sure that you're, um, you look at them in clusters. How do they connect? If you get one trait that's telling or one expression or one body language that's telling you one thing, you're looking to see what the others are telling you as well. And do they line up and connect? So if I look at your facial features and that tells me how you like to think and process, I'll then talk to you the way that you need to be spoken to. I'm never arrogant enough to go, hey, I've got you. Even though I've profiled tens of thousands of people, what I will do is I'll talk to you and I'll watch the body language and expressions that come back to just see how well I'd read you. But if I can see your facial features and I know it's, I know these features so well that you're definitely this is the way you should be acting, but you're acting some other way. Now, the combination of all those tell me that something's going on. It could be that you're stressed. There's some emotional stuff happening, or it could be you're definitely the wrong person I should be right getting right away mm. from. Mm. It could be a con artist, for instance, or somebody who's dangerous, right. loving something. Right. If I'm, if I'm a, a young person trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the next period of my life, a career, in other words, how, how would they use your, your book? How, how, do they, how do they figure this out? Like I said, the book has all those traits in it. 
it shows them how to read the trait, which means get in front of a mirror, or I don't know any young person who doesn't have a mobile phone these days, so get the camera on uh, so it's a selfie mode and have a look at it and profile yourself and look at those traits and then go through and understand it. We always say read, just remember that no one trait defines you as a combination of all the traits together. So one trait might be really strong, but the next trait might moderate it a bit and another trait might moderate it further. So when you read it, understand that this is what each of the traits uh, mean, but read all of them, profile yourself on each of those, and then go, hey, how do they work together? But the book also tells you, as I said, the types of careers that uh, will fit that person. Now, the biggest problem we've got these days is that we've got a job guide with over 1,500 jobs in it, and they give that to a student and go, right, go find a job. Well, it's like a white telephone directory. Nobody's going to read it. But if you were able to, if you were a counsellor or somebody who had these skills, like a teacher, read the child and went, well, here's a couple of careers that may suit your personality, and here's the job guide. The job guide now becomes a yellow pages, and the child then is able to go through that. They've been given some directions. They've got a starting point so you can get them moving. But you're also putting them in a position where they make their own decisions as well. So they take ownership of this. And so that when they've selected a career, they're more confident with it when they go into their final studies for it. Okay, I can understand how this can be valuable in, in career uh, choice. Is it, 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 but it sounds quite complicated. Uh, is, it, is it possible for a young person to read your book and get enough information to make some decisions or choices at least? Uh, or uh, are there other ways they can access this information? Do you have courses? Do you have workshops? We just put together a course uh, for uh, school leavers right now. It's called um, Facial Profiling Basics for Workplace Skills. And what it's about is for a, a student to be able to look at a, at least eight of the major traits, the ones that are required for building rapport, because we know that they'll spend 13 years at uh, school or they'll go into college or they'll go into university and spend further years there to get a degree for a particular career. That will get them through the door for the interview if they've got high marks, but it won't keep them on the other side of the door. What keeps them on the other side is the emotional intelligence, the ability to read other people and connect with them. So as I say, the IQ will get you there, but the EQ will then keep you there. Mm-hmm. And so in that, if they understand the, their, uh, how to actually read somebody else as well, say the interviewer, they know then how to speak to the interviewer because the interviewer is more of a, um, uh, a big picture person. And let's face it, the student might be a little bit nervous, but it was also an analytical type person. In other words, somebody who needs a lot more information than the big picture person who really just wants the overview. And they start talking to the interviewer, giving them information, and they're waffling on. They're going to lose that connection with the, uh, the interviewer. Or if the interviewer, it's the other way around. The interviewer is more analytical, who wants more information. And the student is more big picture. They're not going to give enough information and therefore the person interviewing them is going to go, what's going on here and not trust them. So it's about the connection you make with the interviewer to start with as to whether you're going to get selected for the job. But then after that, once you've got the job, again, being able to uh, read people, you're able to build better connections in the workplace. So it's a much more enjoyable place to stay. So it's a little bit uh, bit funny to me that we spend 13 years to get a piece of paper that will give us one momentary shot at getting a job, but then we can spend a small amount of time learning a skill that will take us through the rest of our career and rest of our life. 
<laughs> it is a bit bizarre when you think of it like that. <laughs> but when you put the um, being able to read people together with the qualifications you've spent the 13 years to get, the end result is it balances out. The course, so, your course yeah. is an online course then, is it, that, that can help? That's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been designed so that it's in modular form. It means that a student can sit down and spend, say, 15 minutes on a video. They can uh, read through, listen through that and watch it, and then they can go away and practically read themselves and then practice up reading other people. And they can either sit down and do it all probably with the course in about three hours or so, do the whole lot at once, or spread it out, do a little bit each day. And as I say, it's a good way to do it when you do a little bit each day. You do one trait, you go out, practice it, look at other people, and uh, get uh, your real understanding around that trait, then you add the next trait to it. Fascinating. Fascinating. And I, in a moment, I'm going to ask you how someone would get your book and the course. But before I do that, just one thing that we were talking about before we uh, started recording this is this the, the story of Pinocchio and the nose, the facial feature mm. nose. Can you yeah, just. Well, it's, it's one of the stories which is quite true. Now, the nose grows, but not in a way that we actually see the size of it grow, because the growth is internal. The nose itself has what we call a rectile tissue. It inflames with uh, blood under certain conditions and swells up, closing off the passageway. Now, everything we do in life, by the way, has a, um, uh, a, a, a what do you call it, a, um, a thermomic uh, indicator. Heat goes to different parts of the body when we do different things. It's like if you concentrate really deeply, the face cools. But if you're feeling anxious, the face gets hot. There's more blood there. And what happens in the nose is that we actually, when a person's lying, there's that anxiety that goes with it. The erectile tissue in our nose inflames, and that has a direct connection to the surface skin. And so we don't actually see the nose grow in size, but we see people starting to itch. It scratches because it's, it's a really strong uh, sensation. The thing is, though, if you're looking at anybody and they're scratching their nose, don't rush into it and say, oh, they're lying. If they've got a cold, it's the same thing because this is why the erectile tissue is there. When we breathe, we breathe through both nostrils, but at one moment, one nostril takes the bulk of the air and the other one is actually closed off. And the reason there is to actually get that uh, airflow to actually spiral through the nose and it throws out any of the impurities in the air into the outside uh, skin and the hairs there that actually catch it. And then our automatic system cuts off that, uh, changes it to the other side. So it's there to uh, keep us healthy as part of our immune system. But it also has the effect that when we're lying, it also inflames then. So the story of Pinocchio then has, his nose grew with each lie he told, has some basis in, in truth, you're telling. In, the real truth would have been that uh, he would have been itching more and more. <laughs> and I think it was... Um, uh, President Clinton, when they um, questioned him about uh, his affairs, he uh, scratched his nose, I think it was about 26 times in one minute. <laughs> so it was a definite giveaway that something was going on. If the nose is really itchy and then it's, uh, you know, you, you change the conversation, everything else, and they're no longer itching, take the conversation back to where you were before and see if they start itching again. Mm. You're a good idea that, uh, yep, the fear and anxiety is increased and that uh, erectile tissue is then inflamed. And so you feel that right across the nose and up right in between the eyes as well. 
What, what you've got to offer here sounds very useful for people of all ages and, and particularly for young people trying to figure out their place in the world. So let's finish up with uh, asking you to tell us where they can get your book and get your course. Well, the book you can get from Amazon and you can also get it from Google Play. And the online course, you can get that through, uh, well, best thing would be if we put the link in the uh, comments down here. Uh, one of the ways to find the courses is to go straight to my website, which is alanstevens.com.au, and it's alan, A-L-A-N, and stevens, S-T-E-V-E-N-S.com.au. If they then just put in the forward slash in the word courses, then that will take them straight to the training platform. Well, I'll see all the courses there, including the uh, the new one for um, uh, profiling, uh, facial profiling basics for workplace skills. Great, and that's the one for the students. Terrific. I'll I'll put that the um, link the link in the in the notes to the podcast when we publish it. So, Alan, thank you very much for your time today. It's been fascinating, and um, I'm sure there's some real value in there for young people trying to figure out what they want to do as a career. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for the invitation to speak. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Learning Capacity Podcast, brought to you by LearnFastHQ.com, delivering the world's best evidence-based solutions for learning since 1999. Head over to our website to read a transcript of the podcast. Go to LearnFastHQ.com, that's L-E-A-R-N-F-A-S-T-H-Q.com, and click on Podcast in the menu at the top of the page. And don't forget to subscribe in your listening app so you don't miss hearing any of the interesting discussions about learning, teaching and education.